Now I'm going to review Hell in a Cell WWE. Now I didn't have big expectations for this pay per view, but it was a lot better than I expected. It was actually a great pay per view. And the match to kick it off, the tag team match between the New Day and the Usos. The two tag teams that have been dominating the tag team division for over two years. They've had a rivalry. And this match was probably the best match. I'll give it close to a five-star matchup. I'll give it a 4.5. And why I say that is because I saw the other side of it, Xavier Woods... In the match and Biggie in the match. As well as the Usos pulling off some tremendous moves using the cage to pull off some tremendous moves. There's a lot of aggression in this matchup and I liked it. Xavier Woods, who I never thought had that sort of aggression in him, had it. With his headbutts and Big E, obviously. You'd known as some aggression in that big bastard. That big motherfucker is someone to be reckoned with. Now, when he started getting mad, that's when I thought, yes, there's another side to Big E than the comedy side. Big E has got the whole package. He might not be as great technical wrestler, but he has got that mean streak to him that, oh no, he always had. You see a big black or white guy in the gym. You're going to think, ah, I want to fuck with him. You saw Big E on the street. The last person you want to mess with would be Big E. And he turned it on. He turned that aggression on in the match. And it was an aggressive matchup. At first, the New Day were kind of joking about. They thought, oh, it's not really suitable for a fucking hell in a cell. It's got to be a bit more aggressive. Then the candlesticks came out. You so started getting aggressive, and then the new day came back, coming aggressive, tying them up with Kendall Stick at the corner and whipping you so violently with the stick. Also, steel steps and sticks and other weapons were used in the match. I think who won the match, the Usos won the match. I think that. Probably um, was the best thing as I think New Day probably looking probably soon are gonna split up I think. But that match was a great match to start off the card. I was blown away by the match. It's a great way to kick off Hell in a Cell. I, I almost give it a five star because it was absolutely one of the best tag team matches I have seen in a while. It was great, greatly put together. Had that. Aggression that I didn't think would happen. I thought Usos would turn on the aggression, but New Day did as well. And like Xavier Woods, you think, first I think of him as being this joker who's got a PhD, he's intelligent, he can play the trombone, but in recent weeks I've seen him, the guy can wrestle and he's got that aggressiveness in him, which he showed in that matchup. There were so many high spots in that matchup. I can't go from play to play because I can't remember it too much because um, I weren't very clear headed when I watched it but there were so many high spots and kick outs and loads of high spot moves in the matchup 
uh, great wrestling, great storytelling, great selling, you name it. And it went on for quite a while. And I thought, yes, there's got to be, I was going to give it a five star. But I thought I might be overrating it a bit. But it's one of the greatest tag team matches that I have seen in a while. It kicked off the show perfectly for Smackdown. I didn't have very big um, hopes for this pay-per-view, but Big E, The New Day and Uso started off that pay-per-view with a bang. And I'll give that match a 4.5 star. It was one of the, probably the best tag team matches we've had in a hell in a cell. And obviously the main event was Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. Which was another good one. But now I'll get to the match between Baron Corbin and AJ Styles. Now, I'm so glad at the outcome of this match. It was a triple threat match. It was Corbin, AJ Styles and um, Ty Dillinger. Corbin just beat the crap out of both of them. And I can relate to Baron Corbin. Because he's that big motherfucking lone wolf. Who don't fucking give a fuck about what anybody thinks. He used his aggression. His fist. His kicks. His aggressive kicks as he kicked AJ Styles. Boom. Ran in with a fucking running teep kick. Keep AJ Styles out of the ring. Beat the living crap out of Ty Dillinger. Showed them what he's about. Some great moves by AJ Styles. Obviously, I like AJ Styles. I think he's a great performer. Got great moves. He showed his great wrestling skills. I think Baron Corbin and AJ Styles are the two um, hottest acts on the SmackDown roster at the moment. And probably in the whole WWE. So I like putting them two together. Because two of them... I think are at the top spot, in my opinion. And AJ Styles is like the best pure wrestler, the most exciting wrestler to come into the WWE in a while. And um, really, I want the match ended up with um, making Baron Corbin look good. And they should have done because I thought they buried his career at SummerSlam with his loss to John Cena. And him losing the money in the bank. But now he's he's shown that he can go against the best. AJ Styles beat the crap out of him and another guy at the same time in one match and win the title. Which he deserves. Put him in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. He wins. He's been waiting for a push for a long time, just like Bray Wyatt. And um, I think he deserves it. He's a great heel and a great guy I can identify with. And he's a good, aggressive, tall wrestler in the ring. And I see a future in him. I see something in Baron Corbin. And I like his attitude and I like his aggressiveness. I like that bad heel side to him. The lone wolf. Is what he represents. And that's what I am. A lone wolf. 
and he makes me come out of my seat every time Baron Corbin shows that aggressiveness in his moves and in his strikes. But it's good for AJ Styles because I think AJ Styles belongs in the title picture. That's why, obviously, if it was for the title, I think AJ Styles would have gone over Baron Corbin because AJ Styles is like the top guy, I think, in the company. And um, they put him down a bit this year. But I think now what they're going to do, now that he's lost the United States Championship, they're going to put... AJ Styles in back in the title picture. So that was a great triple threat match. I'd give that a 3.5. That's over average. I'm glad that Baron Corbin's got the US title now. And I think it's good for AJ Styles as well. Now he can move up and go for the WWE Championship. The only disappointing thing about that Hell in a Cell pay-per-view was that Nakamura versus Jinder Mahal match. Not saying the match was bad, but I didn't want Jinder Mahal to win. I thought Nakamura should win. When you bring him in as this big this um big um star which he was in Japan, make him look brilliant in NXT but what are they doing with him now? They're not doing much with him. They're making him loose and this Jinder Mahal guy who comes out of fucking nowhere. Went shit years ago. And uh, I just don't like Jinder Mahal. I just fucking, why is he champion? Um, I don't want him to be champion. He is a good heel, but I thought Nakamura should have won. Because I wanted Nakamura to win. Because that could have set up a match for Survivor Series. A great wrestling match. Yeah, it has been seen before in New Japan Wrestling. But, Survivor Series, that match would have been a big draw. Nakamura versus AJ Styles for the title. AJ goes over and then that sets up for WrestleMania. AJ versus Rollins as Rollins goes to uh, SmackDown. That's what I want to happen. But obviously, the Shield have got back together, which I'm not... Really too short about. I think it's not good for Seth Rollins. Because I don't see Roman Reigns as being a bigger star than Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins is a better, bigger star than Roman Reigns. It makes Dean Ambrose look more good. But I don't think it's going to be... As good, I think Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns should turn on the Shield, go heel, and Rollins go to SmackDown. I think it should last a very short period of time. Because at the end of the day, what the fuck have they done with Rollins? Same with Finn Balor. Finn Balor won the title off Seth Rollins, which they were the two guys who were going to. Won't bring the company on. Then Finn Balor comes back and gets put in this stupid rivalry with Bray Wyatt, which Bray Wyatt is another top guy, but their rivalry just, just don't make much sense to me. So, um, really underusing talent there. I think um, what they're doing with Braun Strowman is that's good. What they're doing with him. 
Obviously, I suspect him to be the next champion, like I said. But, um... This was a better pay-per-view than No Mercy. I'll give this pay-per-view um, 8.0. I'm not going to go into much detail on the pay-per-view. Another great match was Dolph Zingle versus Bobby Roode. Obviously, Bobby Roode is a heel kind of thing, but everyone likes him. The glorious and glorious, weird and glorious. Because he's the it factor. You get it. Bobby Roode is the it factor. He is beyond glorious. But Dolph Zingler coming out with um the, um the music and then no music kind of made me laugh a bit. That was quite funny of Dolph Zingler. And he's a great wrestler in the ring, so is Bobby Roode. That made that match a great match. And the fact that Bobby Roode is a cheater and a liar as well as uh, Dolph Zingler, well, being a heel now. Bobby Roode used that trick that, that Dolph Zingler was going to lose to roll him up and had the tights to win, but the crowd loved it. Anyway, just like they did when Eddie Guerrero lying and cheating and stealing, as he used to do to win his matches, and then he would get all the crowd cheering him. So I think... Um, Crowd are going to go with Bobby Roode, definitely. Tag team match. Um, the the four-way four, four way tag team match it was. Um, they replaced Jason Jordan with Shelton Benjamin, which is not bad. Shelton Benjamin's kind of like Jason Jordan. Shelton Benjamin was under Kurt Angle's wing uh, back in the day as Team Angle. And after he emerged from Team Guy. Team Angle as a great technical wrestler. He became a major star, Shelton Benjamin. And the moves, that high-flying moves that he was doing and the matches that he was having, Shelton Benjamin could be a top guy. And putting him with Chad Gable, called him a new American alpha. I think they're serious contenders for the tag team. And I'm glad that they won and they're going to go against uh, the Usos. So that should be a good run in the future. Goddamn, son. So I'm looking forward to that one. Now you've got the main event between Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon. I'm thinking to myself, why are people cheering for Shane McMahon? Um... If you think about it, 15 years back, same situation. People would have loved to see Shane McMahon get his fucking ass handed to him. That silver spoon motherfucker get his ass motherfucking handed to him inside that cell. If it was 15 years ago, it was either Austin or The Rock going against him. Shane McMahon would have been hated. And um, really, I don't really like Shane McMahon. I, I like his athleticism. Yeah, yeah, give it that. Give him that. But he is a silver spoon motherfucker. So I don't care. He's been brought up being a silver spoon motherfucker. And um, that's all I've got to say about that. And Kevin Owens, I was rooting for Kevin Owens because I like Kevin Owens. 
He's uh, funny, he's a great talker, but obviously recently he's been serious. And he can turn on, great promo guy. No, he doesn't have the look of a champion. No, he doesn't. But that doesn't matter. He's a great wrestler in the ring. A great, he's got a great character to him. Great promo guy. And he got some humour to him as well when he was with Jericho and even before that. I kind of find him sarcastically kind of funny. And he can be serious. When he turns it on, he can be very aggressive. That's what I like about Owens. And I loved it when Kevin Owens was beating the shit out of Shane McMahon. The point is with Shane McMahon doing all this MMA, his his punching and all that was off. He doesn't know how to throw punches. I'm sorry, Shane, but I was watching you and you do not know how to hold punches at all. Undertaker can throw him good But you cannot throw him good You're not using your elbows You're not using I can see how you're using them And you're trying to get him into that lock The guillotine Where you put your legs Cross the legs behind the head Come on man That was just slow You didn't get it straight away If that was a real situation That should be put on in seconds the punches were slow, they just looked off. It's all MMA crap. You get that you get your ass handed to you in an MMA situation. I would hand your fucking ass to your shame up, man. I'll beat the motherfucking living crap out of you. I'm telling you. Because I'm aggressive and I'll just beat the shit out of him. I don't give a fuck how much he's trained. I don't care how I train. I was listening to him like, this is all off. All his MMA shit is all off. You can't fight for shit. I don't care what I'm saying. People think I'm wrong. I don't give a fuck. I would beat the shit out of Shane man. I know how to throw a motherfucking punch. He weren't throwing them punches properly. He was leaning back as he was doing them. He weren't going straight forward. He weren't using any movement. If that was a real fucking situation, you'd get the living crap beaten out of him. Probably change him one of them posh gyms where he gets fucking treated like a fucking baby, babied through his fucking training sessions. Come on now. He's over 50 odd. Yeah, I respect his um, daredevil shit that he does. But um, at the end of the day, shame that man. Born with a silver spoon up his ass, basically. And um, I respect Vince more than Shane because Vince weren't Vince basically created the company. Vince worked hard to create the company and to save it as well. And Vince didn't Vince work didn't have come from a silver spoon family. Didn't come from a poor family, but didn't come from a silver spoon family. He elevated his business from his dad even more. Shane McMahon hasn't done that. Not trying to get at Shane McMahon. I'm just saying that he is born with a silver spoon. And that's about it. I respect his daredevil stuff that he does. But at the end of the day... You could not run WWE company. Triple H could. But not Shane McMahon. 
So I wanted Kevin Owens to kick the crap out of him in this match. It was a pretty slow match. Uh, the cell was used a lot. But then um, it started getting exciting when um, Shane McMahon um, got the, the tool, the garden scissors, to um, open the fence. And they started fighting on the outside. That's when it picked up. Now I'm thinking Kevin Owens is going to um, put Shane on the table and went right to the top of the cell. Which is um, nearly half as big as it used to be. Um, he's gonna do the. I didn't believe he was gonna do the frog splash up there. I fucking wanted him to. If he did, then that would have been the fucking oh my god moment of the fucking all time. If he actually landed on Shane McMahon, he probably would have fucking killed him. So I don't think they were gonna do that, but. It did have me on the edge of the seat, thinking he's going to do it. He tried it three times, but didn't get it done. Then Shane McMahon came up to the top of the cell. And um, a lot of bad things have happened at the top of the cell. People falling through it. So I was thinking, any move, he's going to fall through it. Shane McMahon did a couple of moves. And Kevin Owens did a couple of moves. There was a lot of moves, but none of them. I thought, I was hoping that Kevin Owens would do the pop-up powerbomb. And Shane McMahon would land through the cell onto the ring. That would have been a great oh my god moment. He did that but he didn't fall through the cell. Obviously they've done a lot, probably a lot of work on top of that cell. So so many attempts after that pop-up power bomb. I thought nah, no one's going through the roof. And then I was a bit disappointed as um, they both... Um, started to go down and uh, did that little cheap spot where Kevin Owens uh, halfway down and then falls through the table as Shane McMahon hits Kevin Owens head against the cell and he falls straight through the table that, that weren't really a good spot really um, so I was going to give it like a 3.5 towards the end but then Shane McMahon goes up just like he did with The Undertaker. Now I've seen it before. So it's not going to be as good as it was. But this fall that Shane McMahon did. Was a lot better than the one he did against The Undertaker. Yes it took a lot of guts for Shane McMahon to do that. To jump off. Oh how many 20 to 30 something feet in the air. Risking his whole self. Yeah, Shane McMahon, when it comes to doing things like that, he's fearless. And that's what I respect about Shane. The way that he landed was fucked up. Yeah, he landed in a fucked up way that probably hurt himself quite badly. Because in WrestleMania, he landed in a way that wouldn't really hurt him that much. But with this match... He landed with a lot more velocity. And to top it all off. I was amazed. And that's why I give this match a 4.5. Is Sami Zayn. Now I like Sami Zayn. I just think. I don't know. What his character is. To be honest. That's why he hasn't probably been pushed as much as Kevin Owens. 
who is a great ring performer and a great talker. He's not one of them good guys who you boo. But I just don't know what kind of... I've always respected Sam Zayn, Sam Zayn and uh, his ring abilities and his promo skills and just the way he is. But as a good guy, I don't, I don't know. It's not like Roman Reigns or John Cena, where you you, you hate him because he he's got that aggressiveness to him and he's got a good promo skills. So I can't, I kind of always liked him, but you know, there's more to him than that, and I think um, what he did shocked me. He pulled his old, one of his worst foes that he'd had a fearsome rivalry with in the past two years. He was once his best friend for throughout his life and has so many great matches with him and Kevin Owens. And pulls the replay and I'm shocked to see. He pulls Kevin Owens out of the way as Shane McMahon comes crashing down through that announced table. And then, Kevin Owens out of it. Sami Zayn puts Kevin Owens on top of Shane McMahon and gets the victory. Like, hey! Sami Zayn, finally! And I think I've got some big hopes for Sami Zayn as a heel. And I think... Now he stepped up his game. I like it. Because I've always liked Sami Zayn and his ring ability. And his promos. But now he's gone heel. He's going to show that other side to him. That I know that he's got. Because he does have that. And I've known from his past promos that he's had that. And it's good to see that he, the story that him and Kevin Owens go through. Yes, they're bitter, they've been bitter enemies. But they were friends. They've grown up together. So, there's got to be a storyline behind that, even though they've backstabbed each other and done, hated each other um, beyond reason. At the end of the day, the friends, they've come up together and um, didn't want to see anything bad happen to his former best friend and he saw the light and um, moved Kevin Owens. And that made that match a 4.5. That was great ending. And Sam Zayn doing that. And then the uh, Smackdown after. I'll give that show. You know, that women's match was about 3.0 average. 8 star. Not 8 star, 8 out of 10. 8.0 well, Great pay-per-view I thought this one Would be like a 5.0 But Because of the tag team match um, The triple threat match With Corbin winning um, Zingler having a Great match with Bobby Roode um, The only disappointing thing was Shinsuke Nakamura losing To Jinder Mahal I think it's bullshit. 
or want Jinder Mahal to lose the title. But that Hell in a Cell match at the end weren't the best match on the card. The first match was the best match on the card. But the Hell in a Cell match had me on the edge as they're on top of the cell. I thought, yes, there's big disappointment because they're going down. But Sam, Shane McMahon then goes to the top and then the ending of that match is great. As Shane McMahon crashes through the announce table. Now that pay-per-view 8.0. So that is a great pay-per-view, in my opinion. I was expecting it not to be, but it was. The match, obviously, of the night was the start, the first match between the Usos and the New Day. And we get to the Sam, Sam Zayn bit, as he claims on Raw, oh, he's a good guy, but he's in the light, no one gives a shit. And all this crap, and look what happened to Kevin Owens. Now he gets all these opportunities, and me being the good guy, and all that, doing things the office way, and all that. Look what it's got me. And I just didn't know where to go with Sami Zayn's character. And I'm glad that he's turned up the turned up the volume on himself and be more about himself. And him and Kevin Owens are together because I've not seen that yet. And I think um, it'll be a force to reference with, whether it'll be a tag team or a faction. It's good to see good friends get back together. Because they're two bright stars that have um, had some tremendous wrestling matches, tremendous wrestlers in the ring, tremendous talkers. And Sam Zayn can step up his game and go on to Kevin Owens level. And that's what I think they're trying to do. And um, with this, Sami Zayn turning heel and saying what he said on SmackDown, I'm hoping Sami Zayn, which people were hoping when he first came in, would be like on a Kevin Owens level. So I think um, he will be. So I think he's going to that upper mid-card guy that mid, well he's never upper mid-card he was always a mid-card guy really to me but I knew that he he could be going from to an upper mid-card guy now that he is maybe to a top card guy the, kind of like Kevin Owens is an upper mid-card top guy same as Sami Zayn is an upper mid-card top guy but then back together I want to see the chemistry that they've got together as friends because I haven't seen that I didn't watch the days when they were friends and they they are real friends in real life and they came up together but I've never seen them as allies on um, TV so that was going to be exciting um, wrestling shows for me to watch so great Hell in a Cell pay-per-view I give that an 8.0 I ain't going into detail because I can't remember most of it and I don't watch things twice. So, probably the review is not as detailed as the other ones, but I reviewed it 
8.0 Hell in a Cell like I review every single pay-per-view on my podcast. Now we're going to go into the uh, Little the Maze, uh, the audiobook. Uh, it's not over yet, the Night Stalker is coming. Yes, we will get into the audiobook of the Night Stalker in this episode and we get into the important parts that I am going to read about the murder not the boring parts the important parts of the great crystal meth motherfucking homicidal homicidal suicidal maniac California ese vato grato gracias adios Whatever Vato Grato Vegeta Meita Tadita Mamacita Richard Ramez, the darkest man in history. I don't know he's the worst serial killer, but he certainly Richard Ramez is one of the darkest, most scariest killers of all time. Now I'm going to review UFC one sixteen. Now the match between had three main events in this. You had Kevin Lee, who's like a great up and coming star. Got great personality, can talk trash, get into people's head. Kind of like Conor McGregor a bit. Just a bit, uh, not as good as what Conor McGregor does. But Ferguson Lee is a great fighter, but I thought I had my bets on Kevin Lee winning this because of his last fight and the way he carries himself. He is probably going to be a future star in the lightweight division and then you got obviously the guy who's broken matched Anderson Silva's record Mighty Mouse Demetrius Johnson who everyone thinks he's the greatest of this generation um, I don't think I think Diaz and McGregor and Jones are a bit ahead of him but I do like Demetrius Johnson Jersey's very small, but yeah, for his flyweight, he's definitely a legend and he's reached that status. But he will not be known, put down as a legend as big as Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva, at the moment in UFC, is the greatest of all time. Anderson Silva, no one that has been as great as Silva, in my opinion, no one. I think Anderson Silva is the greatest of all time, followed by GSP, Jose Aldo, and um, you know probably McGregor be be creeping up that category. Diaz, I mean even Nick Diaz is one of the greatest of all time. He's just been fucked about by Dana White, really, to be honest. And Nick Diaz, um, hopefully he will be. 
then hopefully we'll see that third match between Diaz and McGregor because that's the match I'm waiting for. And I've got Bisbing versus GSP's making his return against Bisbing. I want Bisbing to win because obviously he's from my neck of the woods. But GSP is fucking a guy to be reckoned with. His ground skills are just amazing. Once he's got you on the ground, it's, um, it's very hard for him to come back. And all his fights that I've watched, um, he's always remained his cool. He's probably one of the greatest of all time. Definitely. So um, it's going to be a big one. Obviously, if Michael Bisping does that, he can say that he's beaten, like, probably what two of the greatest of all time people, just like Chris Jericho did to The Rock and Stone Cold beating him in one night. And that will always be in Michael Bisping's legacy. Michael Bisping has had a long career in the UFC. And I um, remember watching his fight. I remember him on UFC. Um, Ultimate Fighter. When it was um, UK versus USA. Which I weren't biased between UK or USA. I just wanted to see the best fighter win. But obviously not being biased. But the UK fucking kicked USA's ass. Beat the shit out of um, all the uh, Yankee bastards. Um that's not to say it's a big England versus USA thing or anything like that. But that did is what happened in that series. And um, his last fight was with Dan Henderson. The first fight, Dan Henderson just fucking perfect knockout punch. I've actually been practicing them punches. That punch by Dan Henderson. Because it's a perfect punch. It's like an H. Um, kind of what Tyson used to use. But Tyson would use his, move his head usually hit his opponents in the sternum to put the hands down then come up with the left uppercut him with an H he's throwing a straight H with his right hand dangerous one of the most dangerous fighters if he catches you with that right hand is Dan Anderson and he did on the second last fight um, Bisbing had knocked him down twice Bisbing obviously was winning the fight and punching him and Kicking him with fluality and um, basically trashed him on points. But it was close because Henderson knocked him down twice, but Bisbing won. But um, I'd say, not by far, I'm not being biased. Um, I'm just saying, probably did deserve to win because he did land so many punches on him. And they did rock him a few times as well. And at the end of the fight, he ended up on top of Henderson. Um, Bisbing wins this one he is going to be considered a legend up there with the legends of the USC like Randy Couture Anson Silva, Chuck Liddell Ken Shamrock, Ortiz all of them legends so we'll get into uh, UFC 116 which was had some great bouts in that Especially at the main event, which was a disappointing ending for one fighter who dominated the fight. And a great, probably up there with one of the greatest UFC finishes of all time in one of the fights in that night of UFC 
116 that I'm about to review. Now you got a car, well why don't you go to auto repairs and get a Honda? If you want a rubber car, why don't you just put a big tool in the boot, a crowbar, open the car, go into the wheel, get the black hand stick out, have the red fucking white red thing together and just drive. That's how you get a car, not really. Get a car, cheap cars from Gumtree at autotrader.com where you can trade car parts and get a car. Now, other advertisements that I've got. There's another site called Audiobook, not Audible, where I've just become a new member and got for it's £6 a month, so it's cheaper than Audible, and it's got... All the books that you'd want. I've just purchased the book Ted Bundy, The Stranger Behind Me. It's a classic book written by the great author Anne Rule. Describes Ted Bundy and how... Um, I've got to say about Ted Bundy, yeah, he was an evil motherfucker. He was one evil motherfucker, I'm telling you that for now. But he was very intelligent. The way he did it. Uh, I don't think he was He weren't much of a coward. He was fit, young, fit, healthy. Um, outsmarted the law and people. Master of deception was Ted Bundy. But can't go off by people like him. But it is an interesting book to hear. About Ted Bundy. Yeah, but yeah, he got what he deserved. But never really got I had any trouble in prison. Because he just knew how to manipulate people. I wouldn't say he was a really cowardly serial killer. Like a lot of them are. Because right, they've lost a macho hood. I think he was a macho kind of guy. Very intelligent, fit kind of guy. You know, he survived in the woods. Escaped prison twice. He weren't scared to do shit, but... What he did was fucked up. That's all I've got to say. Um, can't have rage against just women. You know, that's me saying, oh, a woman's done something bad to me. I've got to rage against them. Nah, I just rage against a particular person. Yeah, but you don't have to fucking hate all them. Not all of them are bitches or the same. So he went about it in the wrong way. And he could have been a very... He could have had a great future ahead of him had he not chosen that stupid path. I mean, this may sound me sick me saying this, but he's in Florida. He escaped prison twice. And he's in Florida. Why don't he just settle down? Why didn't he just settle down in Florida? Do what he's doing. What he was doing, thieving or whatever he was doing. Get a job and just settle down. He already. He was a somebody. Um, did it. Why did on killings again? Because he was a nobody again. But he would have been. Uh, um, if you want to be a serial killer. Legendary status. He already reached that. He already accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. By killing all those people. And he could have 
got away for the rest of his life or most of his life just like Whitey Bulger did but he decided that he could not hold his urges and that's what fuck got him fucked and arrested and uh, the incident with a 12 year old girl well that was a bit too far so um deserve what he got definitely so fuck him that's all I got to say about that. And you can listen, but it doesn't matter because Jimmy B is a lot more violent and disturbed and dangerous than Ted Bundy. And you'll hear that on a song of the SFS album, Jimmy vs. Bundy. If you listen to it, it's off the SFS LP. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, damn.